Hey everybody, welcome back into the My Pets Wellness Weekly Wellness Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Uh, my name is Kevin Crispin. I am the Chief of Staff at My Pets Wellness. Uh, we have one returning champion and a new champion today. Our returning champion is here in the room with me, Dr. Jason Epstein, our Executive Medical Director. Dr. Jason, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Good. Doing well, man. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, and then between us on a screen, we have Benjamin Dowell, who is our leadership development professional and executive coach. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing really well, Kevin. Appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys today. Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation, Ben. And I know, obviously, before we film this, we've had a lot of discussions about what our subject is going to be today, which is mentorship. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about what My Pets Wellness is doing by presenting a DVM mentorship program. But also, we're going to talk about why mentorship is important how it can really benefit somebody personally and professionally. So I guess we'll start with that question for both of you. In a nutshell, why would you say mentorship is important? You Let's start with Ben. Yeah, you can take this one. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, look, uh, you know, mentorship has a very specific place in um, everyone's career path, overarching career path and professional development. Um, one of the challenges and difficulties with mentorship is that most companies and programs are not very well designed. So many people have different ideas of what mentorship is. Mm. But to be clear, it is an informal relationship uh, that is intended to be, um, uh, the mentor is intended to be a sounding board, a person to go to for advice, for coaching. Um, they should have some type of skill set or some type of experience that's relevant to your goals as the mentee. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just an informal relationship um, where someone can give you advice, coaching, and support. Um, but I want to emphasize that it's more passive and, and informal. Uh, yeah, and b before we go to Jason, I think it's interesting. You did say informal a number of times, and, and I think that's important to once again bring that out because – uh, maybe some people are a bit intimidated by the idea of mentorship, but using words like informal and passive shows how it is something that is not meant to be stressful or egregious, but something that can help you. Is that, is that fair to say? Exactly. Exactly. It should be a low risk, pleasant experience. <laughs> if it's not, then we've failed somehow in low, creating a program or creating a relationship. Low risk, pleasant experience. I, I like mean, that. So Jason, what, I mean, what else would you like to say? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have a ton to add to what Ben yeah. said. <laughs> that was a pretty great comprehensive answer. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't so know. on that then, having been a, a doctor of veterinary medicine for a number of years, what would you say is a benefit in that field of having a mentor or in turn being a mentor to somebody else? Yeah. Um, uh, having a good mentor, uh, I think is pretty critical, to be honest, mm -hmm. especially when we first get out of school. Um, I think every veterinarian has a story about their first practice, sure. uh, about their first year. And if you weren't fortunate enough to take a job working for someone or with a team of doctors where someone wanted to, to be that mentor to you, um, there's a reason most of us leave our first job within the first year. And, and that's, that's it. You know, okay. uh, a lot of vets don't know how to be good mentors. They don't want to be mentors. They want someone to work for them. And so, um, you know, a, a lot of us struggle to find that person. Uh, I was very fortunate that my second job out of school, I found that guy, I found that person that was, uh, I bonded very well. We became really good friends and took me under uh, his wing 
as a doctor, as a person, mm -hmm. as a business owner. Um, and I was able to, to learn a lot from that, that friendship and that mentorship. Great. And, you know, that leads me to another question, Ben. As a leadership development professional, is, it, is that normal across a lot of professions where people will get their first job and leave within the first year? Is that something that you've run into in your experience in this field? Or would you say that that's more specific to fields like veterinarianism? Uh, well, that, so that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, when people leave in the first year, you know, it, it can be from a, a number of different reasons. But we, what I've certainly seen is more common is, number one, there was a mismatch of expectations in that I expected the role or the job to mm -hmm. be like this. But when I got there and actually did it, it was something else. Um, Jason's not so that's the physical you doing the job. Yeah. The other aspect can be related to culture. Um, which means that when I got into the organization, I didn't feel welcomed, I didn't feel valued and included. And Jason gave a really great example of meeting that, um, that key person, building a trusting relationship who helped me bring me into the fold, made me feel part of something, and then coached me and guided me along the way. Yep, awesome. Uh, so yeah, and, and Ben, as I said at the top of the show, we've been working with you uh, to build out the MPW mentorship program. So can you talk to us about some of your experiences with past mentorship programs and what, if anything, makes MPW's mentorship program as we're launching it different? Yeah, so that's a fun question. So first I want to start off, what, what does wrong look like, which is what's more typical? You know, the typical mentorship program will do some sort of random assignment of people. Uh, there will be very little structure to it. They'll tend to just plug people together and say, go talk, go be, go do mentorship. Um, what tends to happen when you do that is, you know, 70, 80% of the matches tend not to have good chemistry. Um, folks tend not to follow up with each other and there tends to be no real impact or development or mentorship created. Um, now those programs will have some success. They mm -hmm. will create, uh, again, through a random matching process, some organic relationships and organic trust will be built. Um, so that's that's the typical program and why mentorship tends to have a bad rap, um, quite frankly. Most people listening to mentorship think, oh, geez, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Some program that's going to waste my time and not get me anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. believe so. I first want to communicate to everyone like we get that. We know that. And we're about seven steps ahead of that. And so what's really cool about this program is, number one, it's not actually a mentorship program. I know that's the title. What it is, is it's a leadership development program disguised as a mentorship program. Gotcha. So that's the number one thing that's different. If you join this program and become part of it, you will grow as a leader. That is something that we can, we can pretty clearly um, articulate. I'm happy to go into more detail as to, to why that is. Well, um, well I was going to say, I, I just love that description because it takes what you said at first where people are like, oh, a mentorship program. Oh, I'm going to go and it's going to be this this bland one size fits all thing where you s got very specific with something that all I think and Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, all DVMs are leaders one way or the other. And if yep. we're offering something that is focused as a leadership program, I think that's very enticing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. As I've been talking to our internal doctors about this program, I, I've been using a variation of your words. I've been saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's the mentorship program. It's kind of more of a mentorship training program. It's how to be exactly. a mentor, what that means. It's how, what it means to be a mentee. 
because we have doctors in our organization and there's plenty of doctors that I've spoken to that they're not ready to be a mentor, mm -hmm. but they also don't know what to expect and how to receive that training, how to be, how to learn leadership from someone else, how to learn without feeling like you're in a classroom. Um, so that's been the way I've really gotten through to the, our team and kind of explained like, I'm excited about this and this is why. Right. Okay, great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that, that communication is going on internally too. So that's awesome. So, um, I, you know, to kind of go further with that, what other things can a DVM, you know, gain from joining this program, especially one based on leadership? Like, um, how would giving that leadership qualities to a DVM who maybe uh, is early in his or her career further them at their clinic and make that clinic more successful? That's for you, Jason. All right. All right. Uh, no, I think, it, but I think as a veterinarian, if you become more confident and more comfortable stepping into that role uh, as a leader, mm -hmm. uh, you're you're going to grow professionally. You're going to be able to embrace a skill set you probably don't know you have. Um, there will be times in your career that whether you're ready or not, it's your show. Uh, I I will never forget my like first day where my boss called me the night before and he was like. I'm sick, man. You're on your own tomorrow. And like, I'm about 14 months out of school. And it was like, I, I, uh, uh, wow. all right. Yeah. Like whether I'm ready or not, it's my show. And whether my technicians are 20 or 50, I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to need to be prepared for that, whether, whether you want it or not. And, and being able to embrace that and run with it is what's going to, to let you elevate your career to certain levels um, and, and become uh, leaders not only in your clinics, but moving forward. I love that description. Embracing and running with challenges as they come in. Uh, that's a very great way to say leadership. So, you know, Ben, in, in that case, um, as you've developed leaders over your career, um, you know, what are some of the things that you feel are really helpful to remember for somebody who is first stepping into a leadership role? Um, yeah. So I love that question. I'll, I'll try to keep my answer short here. Take your time. <laughs> but uh, look, the number one thing, if I could summarize, is to know that leadership is not a position. It is not a title. It is not something that you can assign to somebody. Leadership is a mindset. You either bring a leadership mindset with you wherever you go, or you do not. And it's your choice, period. Um, and I just want to be really clear about that. Before you can lead anyone else, you have to lead yourself, right? And you don't need anyone's permission to do that. You choose, you do it, you grow as a leader. And so that's how we grow as leaders. We start off leading ourselves and then we can lead some other people and then we can lead operationally and we can lead strategically. And that's how you grow into that big strategic leadership uh, role. But it starts with you leading yourself. And so number one takeaway, leadership is a mindset, not a title. Uh so that makes That's me think of earlier wellness podcasts that we've done uh, with Dr. Rodney, our director of wellness and personal growth. And 
uh, he has talked a lot about if you can't take care of other people, if you can't take care of yourself first and making sure that you are in that space. And I think it also speaks to what you were saying about confidence yeah. and having the confidence to go in there and say, I, um, I'm going to be able to take this on today, et cetera. And I think you wanted to say something. Yeah, no, I mean, I half of what he said could just like be tagged. Like those were like, you just kept saying things where I was like, yep, I'm gonna put that on a shirt. Like those yeah. are perfect. <laughs> like afraid, like, because it hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's exactly the, the mindset of you have to be able to, to be confident in what you do and, and lead yourself and know that if I'm on my own, I'm good before you are able to embrace a team. Um, because wh whether you realize it or not as a veterinarian, you're in charge of a team. If it's just you and your tech for the day, you're the leader of that person, that group for the day, you know? And it's a situation that, that requires confidence. And a lot of us as doctors have had experiences where we make a mistake and that confidence goes from 100 to 11 and takes time yeah. to build back up. and. And to me, a big part of, of being That's in leadership. Points. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of points. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of points. We beat ourselves up. Yeah. You've, you've, we've had that conversation yeah. too. Oh, yeah. uh, one little mistake, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And um, being able to have that, your confidence rebound quickly, um, I think that's a really big necessity and leadership because you have to be able to make mistakes, forgive yourself, learn from it, and move on and be better. Yeah. And if I could... If I could just add Please. on to that, what Jason's talking about uh, is is a tech, is a professional skill that we call resilience, um, and it is a measurable, observable skill that we can work on and get better at. Um, you can build emotional capacity and uh, professional resilience to setbacks, and it's something that it doesn't happen by itself. It's something that you have to intentionally get better at over time. Yeah, and I think with the what I've learned about the DVM profession. Uh, not only working at this company, but doing these wellness podcasts is there are some high, high, high stress situations. And if you are coming into that with a mindset where you're going to be extremely hard on yourself, if it doesn't go exactly how you want, I can see where that leads to being less resilient the next time that comes up. And so I love it that you said it was a measurable, uh, you know, something that is measurable. And that's something that you can work on and grow towards because not everybody is going to wake up tomorrow and go into whatever it is that they do and just be like, well, I made a mistake. Everything's great. Let's have nachos. You know, I don't know why they would want nachos, but okay. So, but you know what I mean? It's another thing that you can build on. And I, yeah. I, I think that's really a hopeful and, and a thoughtful thing to think about. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think even just realizing that resilience is a skill and it's a skill that helps you as a leader and knowing that just because you don't feel like that's a strength of yours right now, it doesn't mean that that's not part of who you are. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, and that's one thing that I, I, I'm a member of a lot of, of these Facebook pages and groups. And I see a lot of veterinarians that, that pour their heart out and ex that have a hard time forgiving themselves. And I think that, you know, just the knowledge of like, that's a skill. You're not born with that skill to realize that you make mistakes. And yes, we're in a, 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 a life or death profession and you're going to, that's not a skill that, that we all are just like, yep, I can just move on. And knowing that that's something we can help uh, build and grow and knowing that that's something that even just being told like you can get better at this. I think that makes a huge difference.
Yeah. Well, and, and to come to the recognition that uh, school will not teach you that, right? That is Very something that you leave the, you, you, yes, you get the degree and you've learned all these wonderful technical skills and the most modern medicine and how to use the equipment and how to support and how to serve, how to save lives, how to save pets, but they don't teach you the skill of resilience. And it has to be something that you build intentionally and professionally after graduation. Great. That, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, a lot of that. That's why yeah. we have been here, so we could just say that. Yep. That's the whole what podcast said. today. Question, you talk, and we go, uh-huh. Yep. What ben. he said. Yeah. Um, uh, so, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I that, want to add one of the, oh, one of the things that's exciting to talk about. Uh, sorry. No, you're good. Is, uh, yeah. Well, one of the reasons I think this partnership that we have and, and uh, working together and collaborating is great is because I come from a military background. And so... Um, you know, I think there's a lot of overlap between what the average soldier or average officer experiences in very stressful combat-oriented situations. There's a lot of overlap with what DVMs experience and vet techs experience. High pressure, like lives are on the line, emotions are running high, um, and so many different things are overlapping. And I'll tell you, you can see the difference between the vet tech that is sort of passive, waiting for direction, not sure what to do needs to be uh, supervised versus the vet tech who's, who's looking to their left and right, observing what's going on, anticipating what's gonna happen next, thinking about what they have to do next to support the person to their left and to their right. That's leadership. That's what leadership is. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I agree. I love that. Um, and yeah, I think you, you touched on, you know, in, in the veterinary field as a whole, I think in the last few years, we're coming to accept the fact that PTSD applies to veterinarians more than any of us were ever willing to admit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it, it's a, when you have those truly bad days and those truly traumatic experiences, um, they're hard to get through and realizing that they are trauma, realizing that it's going to take work to get past those, um, it's, it's it, exactly, I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. And, um, going back to kind of the mentorship program, I think, you know, we can yeah. talk about, I think all three of us in our backgrounds, Ben, as you said, in the military, uh, Dr. Jason, obviously in veterinarian, me and uh, chief of staff school, uh, <laughs> all had, were lucky enough to have mentors likely throughout our lives. And I think it's safe to say that most people watching this can think of a mentor that they had. So I think when I ask this question uh, to you two, I think it's something that people at home can think about too, is like, what are the short-term and long-term benefits of being in a mentorship program? And um, I guess I'm gonna answer my own question really fast. And a mentor I've actually had in my past not only did he teach me about the field that we were working in, uh, which was theater, he also taught me how to be a leader outside of our profession and be a leader with people around me. And, and that was not necessarily something that we sat down and talked about and we had an outline or a syllabus. It was just by example and by the discussions we had. And, and I think that is a really valuable thing. And I, so that's what I call both short-term and long-term goals. I mean, this is obviously still sticking with me years later. So what, what do you guys think about short-term and long-term uh, benefits, uh, not goals, excuse me, of a mentorship program? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab here. Um, so, you know, 
the bottom line here is that the reason the major benefit is there's a couple pieces to it but the first part is to achieve your own goals that's why you would want to invest in a mentorship program with your time Mm. um, to achieve your own goals and to get some guidance support advice with someone again who has skills and experiences that are helpful to you in achieving your own goals Uh, and that's that's the foundation of a good mentorship relationship and so um, so that's first and foremost. The second part would be, um, again, building your own leadership skills in terms of how do you coach someone else. Um, and, you know, after that, it's really up to you. Um, and one other point I want to make, and Kevin, you, you touched on it. Um, mentorship is not about one connection to one person. Every, everyone as a leader or as a DVM, as a professional, you should think of mentorship as I need a network of mentors. It's not one person who's going to be your silver bullet and take care of you. That's actually a problem in itself. We call that over-reliance on an advocate. You don't want that. What you do want, though, is a network of mentors who have a variety of backgrounds and experiences. Uh, you should have that 20-year experience vet tech because they've got a ton of on-the-ground experience that you can learn from and value as a DBM. Mm-hmm. You should talk to that person who's on the business side. Um, so you can understand the, the financial aspects of your decisions, um, for example. So those are the couple of the benefits. So that leads into the third benefit, which I would argue is the most lo- powerful and long term, would be building your own network of a diverse group of professionals that you have a trusted relationship, trusted and authentic relationship with. Again, if it's a if it's a paper relationship, if it's forced, if it's a business card relationship, hey, here's my card. Now we have a relationship right. that doesn't that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, so to answer the question, cause I agree again, with everything that. you said that, um, but in particular, what, what I, I, I've gotten from my mentors short and long term. um, the primary short term benefit I think I've gotten was it, it, it's almost when you're earlier in your career, having, a really good mentor to me is very similar to having that like security blanket that you know that everything's going to be okay even if you have a rough day knowing you have someone you can that's there for you that you can call if you're in stress that that you when you're when you're a baby doctor when you're in your first couple of years like you need you need that in the back of your mind to where you're like okay I can do this and if anything goes wrong I've got this person here and so you you have that that kind of safety net relationship early on, you know, that grows usually in the first six months or year of that relationship to, I got this. And if I need him, he's here. Like you don't, but early on, I think it's really important in the short term as a, as a new doctor to have someone that you feel is there for you. That'll back you up. That'll come if you need them because that's your, this is your first experience out there being a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I think when I had my first, couple of mentors that's really what I needed but what I didn't really see at the time is long term I was learning business thoughts I was learning how to communicate with clients it's going to stick with me I was learning how to manage staff and how to handle interstaff conflicts I was learning how to I, I was learning how to engage with staff that are twice my age but technically I'm a superior and so there's a lot of skills that I picked up in those relationships. Um, 
And, and even now, I would say that I have a almost mentor-like relationship with a handful of specialists in town that I call regularly and talk through primarily cases. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like I've become a regular enough connection with a handful of them to where, you know, we it's it's someone I know I can call and I'm not um, not scared of sounding stupid. Um, <laughs> like to me, a mentor is someone you don't worry about. Come like. Yeah, like you just don't have that like, oh, I don't want to, it's like someone you can just be like, hey, I'm thinking this. You'd like, be vulnerable. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a key part when you kind of get to where you can, you're willing to trust them with something that may, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to get at, but. Um, I, I think it sounds like to me at least that you're saying, hey, uh, I'm in a professional grind all day. I feel like I need to be confident. I need to be that leader. But also it's it's being able to access that vulnerability and have someone you feel safe with, which again comes back to something we've talked about week after week on this podcast, which is who is the safe, who is, who are the safe people in your life where you feel that you can share your information? Um, and, and I guess I'll transition that to kind of my last question, uh, which is about um, personal wellness. It's something we talk about on top of professional wellness, again, weekly on this podcast. So, and I think you kind of transitioned to it pretty well, Jason. How do you feel the mentorship program that we are going to offer will also help somebody's personal wellness to grow and get better? Uh, ben, do you want to take that first? Yeah, in terms, you know, in terms of personal wellness, um, you know, I think that connects directly to that skill of resilience that we were talking about and managing setbacks. Um, it also connects to self-awareness um, and your ability to understand yourself, know what you like and dislike and be comfortable with that. Um, and, it, and it absolutely contributes to, to both of those skills in, in some, some very clear ways. Um, you know, one of the things that's unique about this program is we'll start off with an orientation. Um, you know, few programs are going to do that. But we're going to cover topics like, um, you know, how to be a manager. What does a manager look like versus a coach versus someone who's just a storyteller, mm. right? And so w one of those three will tend to create more capacity, create trust, and create resilience, um, whereas the other two tend to create more frustration and stress. And so just to connect those two concepts with the mentorship program. Um, that's absolutely one of the benefits that, that you should expect. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, to continue off one of your points, I think that self-awareness, <clears throat> excuse me, um, but one of the points you touched on earlier was being able to lead yourself. And I think a key to, mm. to personal wellness is being aware and being able to know yourself and know your limits and know when, what you need and know when to give yourself grace from a mental and emotional standpoint, but also know when to say like, I, I, I need an actual vacation. Like I need to disconnect. I'm taking two of my PTO days. I'm going away. No one talk to me. And knowing when you need to invest in yourself mm -hmm. and, and take that time to be like, I, I, gotta, I gotta work on me. You know, whether it's yoga, meditation, counseling, vacation, family time, golf, like knowing how to take lead of your life mm -hmm. and yeah. organize your life to be like, this is my work time. This is my family time. This is what we all forget as vets, which is like me time. Yeah. Like 
<laughs> the me identity goes away. It just gets replaced with being a vet. Another theme on this podcast. Um, ben, before we go, did you have something you wanted to add to that? Um, well, you know, yeah, I would just say that, you know, all of those things are about, you know, building emotional capacity and you have to know, you have to have your outlets and not everyone are going to have the same ones. You know, like Jason mentioned, maybe Jason needs to get out on the golf course, just be by himself and just swing away at the ball. And that's how he relieves stress. That's okay. Maybe someone else needs to go talk to their college roommate and just mm -hmm. unload about all their troubles for the day. But the point is, is that to create that capacity, uh, emotional capacity and resilience, everyone has to have their own outlet. Um, and so that's again where our, you know, the key philosophy here is we're about actions, not words. And so what, we, what doesn't help people is to give them a list of ways to, to vent. Okay, maybe that'll be, a, you know, a quick brainstorming session and maybe they'll get a new idea. But what's really actually helpful is saying, no, everyone, you're going to come back to me in 48 hours and you're going to give me your three. What are your three, you know, main emotional outlets that you use to recharge, to vent um, and to create more emotional capacity? So, Ben, we've talked a lot in broader terms about mentorship, being a mentee, uh, the, the, the real positive impact and leadership skills it can give you. Can you tell us about one, about the orientation that you were talking about earlier? Can you tell us a little more detail about that? And then after that, can you please tell us whatever else you'd like to explain about the whole mentorship program? Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I appreciate that question. Um, so this is at the core of what we consider unique and different about this program, is that you will get an orientation up front. Uh, we're going to talk about things we're certainly going to define mentorship, but we're also going to compare it to a concept called sponsorship. Many people use those words interchangeably, yet they're very different. Understanding both will help you be a better mentor and a better sponsor. We're going to talk about the different styles that mentors tend to bring. Two of the three tend to be extremely ineffective, uh, the manager style and the storyteller style, whereas the coach style tends to be extremely effective. Hmm but yet it's not a natural style that you were just, you're not going to wake up being a great coach. Um, someone can have a title of coach, yet be a terrible coach, right? So it's not about titles, it's about the mindset and about the behaviors. Um, and I'll give you a quick example. We've all know, we all know the storyteller mentor who you'll tell them about a problem or a challenge and they'll just launch into the long diatribe of how back in the old days, this is the way I did things. Mm -hmm. And while you're just listening there as the mentee and you're like, okay, this is obnoxious. Um, the other side is the manager. That's the doer, right? They're like directing, they're saying, here's your solution. This is what you gotta do. You know, checklist, accountability, that sort of stuff. That's important. Go do that in the business world, go do that on the floor. Yes, as, as a manager, but that's not, there's no place for that in a mentor relationship. Uh, we're going to talk in detail about what is that coaching mindset and how do you exemplify that. The coaching mindset is about listening. It's about asking questions. It's about letting the other person solve their own problems with support and guidance. Um, and we're going to talk through more specifics on that. We're also going to talk through a little bit of human elements. We'll talk about performance versus potential. What does that look like? Um, and so that's what we should expect from the orientation. We're also going to dig into a model that we call the We Connect, which will bring us into our first structured session. Um, because ultimately, moving into the broader program, this is a structured program. We put enough structure on this 
so that people know what they're meeting about, they have an agenda, but there's not so much structure that it's confining and reducing your, your possibilities and flexibility within the conversation. The conversations need to be natural and organic, yet we've given you the structure and the agenda to avoid those awkward silences, to avoid, okay, what do we talk about now? Mm -hmm. um, so that's all covered for you. And for example, in the first session, we're gonna discuss this model um, the WeConnect model, which is actually six elements of a human. There are six elements that make up every person. Um, your cognitive elements, how you think and solve problems, your physical elements, you know, your gender, race, age, uh, things of your appearance, your values, what are your convictions and beliefs, societal, how, uh, what are your, what's your economic status, political views, you know, uh, education, occupational. You know, what are your skills there? And then relational, what are your family, what's your family background? We're going to leverage that model to create chemistry and trust and connection in that first meeting. Um, this, the follow-on meetings, we're going to use a framework that's called GROW, G-R-O-W, and it's a coaching model. And that coaching model will serve as the basis for the following four sessions, uh, G-R-O-W, that stands for a goal, which will orient, excuse me, will assess and define a goal up front. We'll talk about the reality and the situation and challenges facing you as you look to accomplish that goal. We'll talk about what options are available uh, for you to move forward with. And then ultimately, you'll decide on a way forward. W is about way forward. And how will you go forward from here? Um, and then at the end, we'll talk a little bit about, we'll get your feedback. We'll talk about sustainment and how do you sustain that for the long haul. The really cool thing about this program is that it's only three months. So this isn't an 18 month commitment, right? If you don't like the yeah. person, it's going to be okay. You don't have to <laughs> fall in love with them after the first conversation. It'll still be productive anyway. Yeah. And the intent here is not to just run this one time for three months, but the bigger picture intent is to run this a few times a year so that anyone who wants to uh, sign up, join, participate, and invest themselves will end up building that network of mentors over time, as we described as one of the key benefits here. Um, and so, you know, the types of folks who would be great to sign up for this, uh, certainly we're targeting DVMs. But to be clear, you know, what's really cool about MPW and My Pets Wellness as, a, as an organization and the culture is that they're expanding, we're expanding this to outside the organizations. Right. This is about building capacity and community within the DVM community. It's not just about helping folks who are currently inside of MPW. And so um, I really challenge um, everyone, whether you're inside of the firm or outside, uh, whether regardless of where you live, um, if you're interested in leadership, if you're interested in mentorship, if you're interested in accomplishing your own goals, this is the program for you. Yeah, I, I love what you said there about us and our philosophy, because that speaks to why, why we created the, the DVM support network channel platform, whatever we want to call it. Like that's why we have this podcast and the mentorship program and our CE offerings and our wellness rounds. And all of it is because we're not trying to make our veterinarians' lives better. We're trying to change the veterinary industry to where all doctors are better cared for, that wellness is something that is not just talked about, that work-life balance isn't just a phrase, that we, we actually make something happen in the field. 
Right. Um, well, that's a that's a great, I think, extensive, more detailed look at it, Ben. Uh, uh, thank you for that. And and Jason, you're exactly right. I agree with everything that you just said. And it, it's a pretty ambitious goal, but I think it's something uh, that, that is good to strive for. So if you are interested, please visit us at mypetswellness.net. Uh, <clears throat> you can find out more information on the mentorship program there, as well as uh, a number of other initiatives that we're working on. So uh, uh, Ben and Jason, thank you both very much for your time today. Ben, you are welcome back anytime, of course. Um, ben Dow, Dr. Jason Epstein. Uh, my name is Kevin Crispin. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week. And we'd like to have a special thank you to our key grip and lighting specialist, Winnie, the boxer. Come here, Winnie. Good job. Very slow. There slow she is. Mo. Good girl. Thanks, everybody. You guys have a great day. We'll see you soon. Mm -hmm. Bye.